We were always told there's no handbook for being a good parent, but that always felt a little unsatisfying. While we have no formal training or credentials to be instructing others how to parent, we do have lots of entertaining stories and examples of what not to do that hopefully helps some parents get through to their children. This is what we call the Definitive Guide to Parenting, and we are the Von Kuhlbergs. This is our pilot episode, which contains some adult language and themes. But I took this something from his story and said, you know what, there's something of value I can tell my kids because this story sparked some idea for me. And that's what I'm hoping we'll accomplish. We're going to tell our stories and our listeners are going to say, boy, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Okay. Or boy, I wish that happened to me. And there's a lesson for my children in there. Okay. Here we are with our new pilot yeah. podcast called Von Kuhlberg's Definitive Guide to Parenting. <laughs> this is our third itineration of our podcast. This is our third pilot episode. Yeah. I I feel that, that we're going to get it, though. I feel like we've been on the cusp for a while. Yes. And the so the, the difference between this, this pilot and the others is we've, we've identified a format that we think will be very appealing to a wider audience. And that is stories that we can share about ourselves and our lives that we think are very helpful and insightful to tell your children. And maybe stories that need to be edited to some extent before you tell the children. (laughs) But hopefully my idea is that the listeners find the nugget of something in our stories that they first of all find entertaining, but second of all find I can take some nugget from that and share a key learning with my offspring. I like right out of the gate. You uh, you mentioned that they might need to be edited. Oh, they audiences. I think one theme I've always had for my children is I've done some really stupid things. Yeah, and so I think that that goes to the the need for some editing before you share some of the details. And uh, having known you now for for more than thirty years, I would agree you've done some really stupid things. So I think you're an expert. You're you're well positioned to to weigh in here. Hmm. Starting with befriending you, perhaps. <laughs> one of those those stupid things. That 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 is not a stupid thing. It was life changing for you. So did you want to ask me a question about? <laughs> well, my question, or what? I was just going to ask. I thought it might be good, more a question to maybe put out there. What, um, what made you sort of decide to do this? But you answered that already. You kind of, you kind of put that in. And well, no, um, but I have a, I have a, more of a story, which is that a friend of mine, okay, that you that you also are friendly with told me a story about his daughter who is an eighth grader going into freshman year of high school this summer. And she got drunk for the first time at a party and she got sick in her room because she was drunk. And 
his wife was very angry. And his takeaway was, I can't tell her not to drink because that's unrealistic. It's not very practical. If I tell her not to drink, it's not like she's not going to drink. She's going to drink because that's what her friends do. So my lesson to her is learn how to drink wisely. So instead of pouring a big thing of vodka in a tonic, fill it with tonic and put a splash of vodka in there. And you still feel like you're having fun with the group. Everyone still thinks you're drinking, but you're not going to get sick and you're managing yourself. So, again, this might also serve as a, to, like as a uh, highlight how this podcast might go. Do you agree with that decision? Do you think that's a sound decision? I do, actually. Because I don't think it is. I, I think if you tell your kids don't drink or don't do something that that you have no control over and and is going to be an unpopular thing to say, all you will end up doing is driving a wedge between you and your kids. And for the most part, I'm sure there are people out there who say, whatever I tell my children, they do. But I got to think that's very few and far between. And all I have to base it on is my own personal experience, which is if my mother told me, to do something, I would probably do the opposite. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I I agree with, I think I'm 85% there. I don't know that I, eighth grade's awfully young. Oh, yeah. Eighth grade's awfully young to, to, to have, I don't know that, but I, I, I totally see the validity and, and agree with that the harder sometimes you come down on certain things, the more kids will rebel and do the exact opposite. So I, I that's a tough one, just because for me, I think that's the right approach. I struggle a little bit with eighth grade, oh, I, but I, it still might be the right call. So I think that's part of the theme of this this podcast is it's not always the right decision, not always the right thing. And I think you and I are going to share stories about things that were clearly not the right decision <laughs> and things that we now hope to take the wisdom from surviving those, those decisions and pass that wisdom on to our children one way or the other. And I am a, actually a big fan of storytelling as a way to teach my kids. And because, because they don't, don't like to be lectured, most people don't like to be lectured, I think especially kids, I like to tell them stories with a moral that kind of approach. And I think they, they respond more because first of all, they're more interested in hearing the story. Right. Um, I, I told them a story. And this has nothing to do with me, something on the news about a kid. This is still related to drinking and you and I, I, I don't have our own story about it, but uh, a kid, this was three months ago at a fraternity at like university of Missouri, who, who got so drunk that he's now like brain dead. And so I, instead of telling my son, don't drink, I say, just I'm just showing, telling you the story about this kid, and this is what happened. And I, I actually never even told him, don't drink. I just leave that for him to realize, hey, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be brain dead any more than I already am. So <laughs> I think the story is a effective vehicle for getting those kinds of concepts and morals across. I agree. My, uh, my, my, everyone I'm married to. Like everyone, everyone you're married everyone, to. Everyone in my wife's family. That's what I meant to say. I'm only married to right. one person. Everyone in my wife's family. I, like I don't know if that was a slip, but I, I've known you for a while and I've not heard that before. Uh, man, I wish I was that excited. So okay. they're all storytellers. But so this this might be the end of that spectrum that we want to avoid. Is uh, So my 
my mother-in-law in particular has every every story she's constant she does the same tactic but every story she tells has horrible horrible ending and my daughter strongly maintains the reason she has anxiety is because of the number of stories and the types uh and one that my my daughter always talks about that my mother-in-law shared like when my daughter was like three was how some uh girl in my family they're they're first generation italian so in italy uh this little boy was looking out the with the car window and a truck came along and decapitated him so never so never look out the window so there's a lot of stories and it grew some death in my family so out the window of the car like don't put your head out the oh. window or you'll be decapitated, yeah, decapitated. and uh, and then there's sometimes there are like unusual like um they're not always applicable, uh, unlike ours. Ours are going to be like, never leave a child um, down by the river in a basket because these snakes came along and sucked the child's soul out through the child's nipples. That's the actual story that my mother-in-law told my kids. And I don't know why it was leave a child. I don't know what, what, what it is that sparked that story, but um i just think we're going to do better we're not going to leave our audience twitching with anxiety and fear so is that you're saying that's a real thing that you're that 100 percent. i swear why my life why what was the significance of adding the detail of the nipples that's how the snakes latched onto the child i don't know there was there was she couldn't tell the story without including the nipples so i mean there are there are a different generation. They're farmers, and I, they, they, the supernatural is much more real to my in laws than, than to us. So I think there was a supernatural, you know, there's just something. Yeah, about so it's an snake. old wives' tale. So, well, if you want to make it short, like that, then yes. Right. But she, but, but she said she saw it. She said it she saw a hand. snake suck the life out of. She experienced this first hand. A child's nipple. Through the nipples. The soul of the child. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. So, but that's what I'm saying is, I just have to be a little. Okay, storytelling is powerful. I, so. Right, but that's not storytelling. I well, mean, I guess it is. Her, but it's, it's, just... it's it's weaving a fantastic tale. We are going to be tell true stories, okay. real things that happen to us, got it, or about us or around us, and hopefully the listeners just like what I described. My friend told the story. My my sons haven't come home so drunk where they got sick. I don't know that they haven't drunk ever or drank. Um, but I took this something from his story and said, you know what? There's something of value I can tell my kids because this story sparked some idea for me. And that's what I'm hoping we'll accomplish. We're going to tell right. our stories right. and our listeners are going to say, boy, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. Okay. Or boy, I wish that happened to me. And there's a lesson for my children in there. Okay. And it's, I almost am certain that there will not be anything to do with nipples being sucked. Oh, au contraire. <laughs> Every one of my stories revolve around nipples in some way. I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm even more looking forward. And I'm to just this. telling you, because we've been, this, this being our, our, our pilot, uh, I haven't really thought about this, but I feel like the challenge has been laid down now that somehow 
every story I tell is going to involve nipples. That will be impressive if you can accomplish it. All right. So the story I have that I think is on point with how I let off is a story of drinking uh, that involved both of us because it was your 21st birthday. Oh, yeah. Were you there? Uh, I was there for part of it. Yes. I was there for part of it. It was not... That's a weird one. What do you remember about your 21st birthday? I I remember a few things. Certainly not my best moments. Not nor mine. Right. (laughs) Some of the people people I trusted to take care of me didn't do it the entire time, but at certain points they did. So my... My 21st birthday, I remember two things. Again, I'm not proud of this. Um, this is, is, but I think it's irrelevant to, to say. I'm not proud of this. I was dating a couple people at the time. And uh, I had agreed to go out to dinner. I, I double booked a birthday dinner. And frankly, uh, it may have saved my life. <laughs> I did that. But so I went out and had two of the most ginormous Italian meals, one right after another, before before abandoning, leaving both of those people to come see my good friend. My good friend. There's not a name on there. No, you have none. All right. Garfield. My good friend Garfield. My good friend Garfield at a drinking establishment called the Airliner. So this was in in Iowa City, at the University Iowa. of Iowa. Yeah. So, um, and so let's let me let me clarify a couple things. So you met girl one for dinner. How correct. did you end the evening? How did you tell the girl one who had just had a lovely Italian meal with you <laughs> that you had to go I, somewhere. I I told them both that I had other plans. I was pretty upfront about it that I had other. Well, not plans. so upfront about it. I was, I was relatively, <laughs> depending upon your point of view, upfront about it, and I just said I had other plans. They didn't necessarily say what they were, who they were with. Um, again, not my finest moment. See, and again, I don't think the listener will take away how upfront you were from from what you've told so far. You were you were lying to two women. <laughs> no, 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 upfront is not the term I would have used. I am trying. Did you to, suck either of their nipples? No, there was no nipple. Okay, no nipples involved. Yeah, so we did work that into this. Thank story. you. I appreciate that. So no, I'm just trying to say that. Um, for my kids that listen to this, that, that I was very upfront that I wasn't going to be with them all night. I had other things to do. That's that's just an odd perspective to take that you know, I was upfront. I, I don't understand. How, like I was upfront about the fact that I was wearing shoes. I think we have a story to tell, and we okay. need to move on and tell the actual <laughs> story instead of you just. Digging and digging into this minute, tiny point from a part of my life that was 35, 30 years ago. It doesn't even matter. I've grown so much. I'm a different Uh, person. Okay. So let's just acknowledge that. You told date one, I have other plans. So you left. And then you meant immediately to meet another 
lady for a second dinner, presumably a separate restaurant. <laughs> it was not the same restaurant. There's <laughs> okay, not a lot of Italian restaurants in Iowa City. Not at that time either. There right. was two. I went from one uh, to the other. Okay. So, you had another huge meal. So, yeah. I uh, uh, A carb loading. Okay. A carb loading. Basically, I yeah, just pasta and bread. And I was uncomfortably full. And then... Being the honest and upfront person I am, I said, I have to go meet my good friend Garfield. Uh, I promised that I was going to spend my 21st birthday with him. And and not just me. It was a group of of guys, front of our friends, who were all there. Perhaps you don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I feel like you're trying to spread the blame around. No, no, but I, I mean, <laughs> if you just think about it, think about it reasonably. Yes. I, I wasn't at the airliner. No, you were not there alone. There were right? other, so there was a group people of people there. who knew you, right, and and knew me, and so you you came, and then tell me what else you remember from that point on. And this is what you, my friend, the challenge you laid out is that. Uh, I needed to do one shot of alcohol for every year that I was alive. Correct. 21 shots of alcohol. 21 shots of alcohol. And so how much of that do you remember? I vaguely remember up to shot eight (laughs) or nine. Eight or nine, so less than half. (laughs) Well, Well, so I should say... I was I I was a big person. It's also important yes. to that. I was I probably was close to three hundred pounds at that time in my life. Correct. Uh, and so, but I didn't drink hard liquor very very frequently. You know, the only time I did was with you. We would do tequila shots occasionally, mm-hmm. and that was sort of it. And then I would just drink beer mostly at at parties. So, um, I. I wouldn't say I was a lightweight per se, but I wasn't like a heavy drinker. You were not. So what I had going for me was girth. Like and two full meals. <laughs> two two full meals, of which I was completely honest and upfront about <laughs> prior to, to meeting you. So I remember doing those shots and then it sort of gets hazy where um, I remember various people, various faces of people that I knew, like smiling and hitting me on the back and giving me alcohol and then people like shaking their head in disbelief <laughs> at right. various yes. times. But I don't remember any sort of coherent conversation. <laughs> um, and I only could take it on faith that I actually drank all 20 Oh, no, you, you, you can take it on, on my word because I, I witnessed it. So Did you witness it or did you purchase all those shots? No, I did not purchase them all. And so, but I You was, didn't stop me. No, no. <laughs> not only did I not stop you, I was orchestrating it. I, I was, I was, it was my idea to do the 20 shots and uh, I started you. You had some shots that were very easy like a watermelon shot or or something like a lemon drop that were kind of low alcohol level shots but then some people would get you like a jägermeister or a some a wild shot turkey you, you wouldn't give your your worst enemy like they were they weren't enjoyable no you they only were drink them they were harsh to get really drunk or like to 
fertilize a plant or something. Kill like a that. plant. Yeah, yeah. You would not do that. It would, it would kill the earth so nothing would grow. Yeah. So, yes, it was a combination of things. And I tried towards the end, I tried to make sure that you were only getting some some light ones and not a real horrible one. But I, I have to admit, I don't remember the details. And it's very possible that the, you did get a couple whammies there at the end. And then the next thing I remember is being in the, your car, <laughs> your your tiny red car. What what type of car was that? Was that was a Nissan Pulsar. A Nissan Pulsar. And I remember my torso hanging out in the car. And if, if, if my mother-in-law said it, she would tell me if I was lucky I wasn't like disemboweled because right. I was hanging out. I was hanging out, driving all the way from downtown Iowa City to where we lived, leaving a trail of, of vomit the entire way. I remember puking the entire... <laughs> The entire drive. And it was not a small, I mean, it was a couple miles yeah. just hanging out and like not even being able, like the way I was hanging was not comfortable, but I did not have the capacity to adjust myself. Like every, every bit of strength and coordination, energy was all focused on vomiting out all the alcohol. And, just and also in retrospect, that probably was something that helped save your life. It probably, it probably, it probably did. So, thank you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for draping me outside of your car along my abdomen. Well, I it put additional pressure. <laughs> it put additional pressure on my stomach. I don't remember. I I don't think I put you out the window. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm guessing I wasn't too eager to have you back in the car either. So no, I'm sure I was pushing out. I mean I. Don't forget, in addition to, and I probably was having beers while having those shots, but don't forget, I had eaten two ginormous meals. So when I was hanging out of your car on my stomach, that was not enjoyable at all. It was incredibly uncomfortable. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, through the haze of all that alcohol, through how drunk I was, the fact that I remember how much it hurt my stomach. It didn't hurt from puking. It hurt the pressure of the door frame on my abdomen. It was considerable. Yeah. And so my indelible memory of that evening at the end of the evening was not the car, but it was after we got you back, you passed out on a toilet Yeah. at the end of the hall. And I needed, again, you stated you were about 300 pounds six foot six you i remember being thrown into a cold shower you guys hosed me down at one point i was in the shower being hosed down i think it that was, was freezing I and i don't I'm saying i probably needed it but well i i mean i don't think there's a real medical benefit <laughs> to that probably but it what did we know but we knew no. that you were passed out cold and i also know that i needed at least two other guys to help pick you up off of the toilet because you were probably twice my size. Swarthy. I was I was not a small individual. And so I don't necessarily, now that you say it, I kind of vaguely remember throwing you in the shower, but um, and I do then remember putting you on the bed, your bed, and 
that was kind of it. And wow. and that's also a scary thing because you know you easily could not have woken up again. I would say if it wasn't a combination of my my size, the amount of vomiting I did, the two dinners that that would have gone an entirely different way that would have destroyed both of our lives me because i would be dead yeah so that would suck for me and i have to think that probably things wouldn't go so well for you if you yeah. orchestrated yes uh, my drinking 21 shots that resulted in my death yeah i wouldn't that wouldn't be a hazing incident though would it because it wasn't like a fraternity it would not have been a hazing incident but it would be uh, manslaughter it probably be manslaughter, <laughs> and if nothing else, I think it would probably, you know, besides the legal consequences, it would probably have had a pretty significant impact for me to have you would have killed my you would have... my good friend. Yes, um, and so clear lesson there, right? <laughs> so should we examine what the takeaways were? Like what? Are... I think there's some pretty obvious takeaways there, and um. One of them is don't do 21 shots. But I, I have also said recently um, <coughs> to my spouse that I didn't learn how my to drink myself until probably sophomore, junior of college because I'd get drunk, I'd get buzzed, and I would just continue drinking more because I was having fun and just thought, whatever, I wasn't thinking. And I realized by junior, senior year that once I started feeling buzzed to stop and let just enjoy that buzzed feeling so I didn't get to the point where I was sick interesting I um that is a good takeaway not necessarily another lesson I would teach my kids either just drink drink until you're drunk enough to have fun I struggle a little bit with this whole story for a couple of things mostly because there are there are elements that until we started talking about this recently uh, like the last time we talked about this, I I thought about this fondly. And, and like I did it. Like it was a funny, crazy thing. I didn't really think about like how dangerous and reckless and foolish and and I absolutely wouldn't want like anybody's kids listening to that and thinking like, oh, how amazing is that? But I never, I never thought of it in that terms. Like it's, I want it to be a, like a cautionary tale of what not to do. But at the same time, there are elements, obviously, that that make me laugh. So I struggle a little bit with that, uh, just that story. But I hope that anybody that ever listens to it knows that that's <laughs> don't do that. Don't do any part are, of that story. We are not trying to make any attempt to glamorize right the stupidity no. of basically risking alcohol poisoning and like i said to begin this story there was just one not too long ago it was a local kid to the chicago area who who's now like blind paralyzed and has minimal brain function as a result of drinking weight i don't know it wasn't shots it was like a bottle of vodka um at a fraternity party and clearly it is a poison that you put into your body and to do that was so stupid. One of many, many stupid things that I am amazed that we have come through unscathed to, to some extent. Um, well, cause to, to your earlier point, nobody 
talked about this. So maybe you're 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 dead on. Like my my so sort of related, but I think it's a longer different episode. My my dad was an addict, was a drug addict, not a not an alcoholic. But it my mom was so like you never drink. There was no room for that. She wouldn't talk to me. I would never come to her. I would never do it. Um, I sort of started experimenting with alcohol. I drank some in high school, but not a ton. It was really when I was at college with people that were equally inexperienced and sort of everybody thinks they're going to live forever. Um, nothing bad could happen to them and just out to have as much like a good time as possible. Like nobody had any ill intent, but just didn't know any better. So maybe talking about this is, is the way to go and sharing a story. Like I said, I, I hope the takeaway, nobody goes listening to that story and goes, that's fun and let's let's do it. Right. It's not a TikTok challenge. Even, even, <laughs> even while we were laughing at some of the stupidity, um, <clears throat> absolutely want to be super upfront about it. <laughs> well, I think that's another big takeaway is what an upfront stand-up guy you are. Thank you. Thank you. Again, that was 30 years ago, and I've grown a lot as a human being. And you also started by talking about all your people you're married to. So it leaves some questions. Poly, polyamorous? Is that how you say it? Polyamorous? Yeah. yeah. Let's not label it. Let's not label it. It's just, it would, it would be a horrible life. One, one spouse is enough. <laughs> that's a lesson that's an entirely different that's an entirely different lesson i don't know how those people can do that with, with more um, than one spouse i mean geez you know i'm 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 gonna just let you take that entire one yourself i'm not gonna weigh in on that knowing that uh our our spouses are uh, comprise a large segment of our audience currently, but I yeah, like fifty percent. Yeah, it's temporary. Yeah, it will grow far beyond that. Um, and I think it goes back then also to my initial story about my friend whose eighth grade daughter was drinking, and then the choice about what is it that I'm going to teach her about this moment. And I think they she clearly got from her mom at least the don't do this. I the, the the idea I got from my friend was that his wife went off, went crazy on her and screamed and yelled and all that stuff. So I think she got that message clear. And then he followed up with, what's a, what's a takeaway for you from this? Besides the fact you see how sick you are is try to not get this way again, but I'm not going to try to. This is what I've done around that. So I haven't done it that. And maybe um, I, I know a social worker who maybe could tell us if this was right or bad. I don't know if this was good or bad, but because I have, a, I haven't told my kid, don't you ever drink or, you know, pack your bags, which is sort of what my mom did. But I took them, you know, I, as a child, I lived in a pretty um, large, nice house, nice neighborhood. And as my dad like fell further and further into addiction, like, we felt, you know, financially were impacted pretty badly. And my dad, for, and my dad did recover and rebuild his life. But when he hit rock bottom, 
he uh, was literally living in a transient hotel on Division Street that just now, I just was down there uh, a few months ago, and it was being condemned and knocked down. And, it, and when I was there living with him, it was a disgusting place. So I took both my kids on a tour starting like this is where I lived first, and this is where we had to move the second time, and this is where we had to move the third time and the fourth, and it's because of addiction. And I told them that it runs in, you know, addiction runs in families. So I didn't say, I never, I never framed it as don't ever do this. I'm hoping that they, they learn that from seeing that experience. Okay. Yeah. Maybe well, I've, maybe I should have told them about uh, snakes. No, you should not have that. And that is the, the process that we're following with this podcast. There's at one end of the spectrum, there's direct communication style where you tell somebody exactly what you think. In the middle is more indirect where you give examples and let, then leads to your point. And the third is a story. And you let the listener come to their own conclusion. Well said. Yeah. So that, that I think concludes our podcast. That concludes that the end of our pilot. Iteration three pilot one that I look forward to hearing, I think. I think we're on to something. And until next time, we will certainly have more nipple-sucking stories. Absolutely. Well, this is the Von Kuhlbergs. Teach your children well.